Hello and welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me this week, today, and this week, and every week, <laughs> get that out, Eleanor, are Brenda and Randy Lee, but hence... Brenda's not. Brenda's here. missing. No, she's she's on grandchildren patrol God today. God bless so, her. Yes, she is. We'll, we'll make do with just you then. <laughs> hey, boy, did you lose on that deal? <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. I, I one of it's Buffalo nickels. Buffalo nickel. A lot of strange stuff coming out today. Unrelated, not strange, but unrelated certainly. But but Brenda and I were out at a Susquehanna Folk Music Society concert last week, and the featured artist, as you pointed out, was. An emerging blues singer, songwriter, guitarist kind of guy, um, who performs under the name of Buffalo Nichols, ah. which I found really a clever name. Um, his real name is Carl, Carl Nichols. But anyway, I was working the concert, so during the night I got to spend some time with Buffalo Nichols. And the first thing that really struck me was that Buffalo Nichols has this tattoo on his forearm that is a perfect imaging of Picasso's Don Quixote sketch. Really? Okay. Yes, right? And and I always found Don Quixote a fascinating book on on many levels, right? Relationship with reality um in particular, right? After all, we've we've got this guy who thinks that that windmills are are giants, right? Mm-hmm. But I asked Buffalo Nichols what was the attraction to Don Quixote. And yeah, why would he go so far as to put a tattoo yeah. of Don Quixote on Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really something that goes into his being at yeah. that point, right? So, so Buffalo Nichols says he liked Don Quixote because here was this guy who got tired of living vicariously, vicariously his yes. word, or more to the point, living in a vicarious reality. Like living in someone else's reality, mm-hmm. a reality that the world wanted to impose on him. And what drew Buffalo Nichols in was Don Quixote recognizes this broken reality being imposed on him for, um, for, you know, whatever and, and just chucks the world's reality and makes up his own. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great take on the book. If you're, if you're familiar with Cervantes' first Don Quixote book, um, Don Quixote is not crazy, right? He's this guy who finds himself in a very dark, very despairing, very harsh, manipulative, not noble world, right? Um, a world where there's, there's no room for hope or heroism or love or beauty. And he decides to just chuck that world and just replace it with a world that offers him all the things Don Quixote thinks a better world should have, mm-hmm. right? So the poet, the artist Buffalo Nichols, connects with Don Quixote because Buffalo Nichols feels compelled to reject the world that's imposed on him and instead find his own world and live out his own story. Is it kind of a rejection of the negativity that the world imposes on us. You know what I mean? If if you listen to the news all the time, you're going to have a very negative outlook. So and, and it's even yeah, I mean it's it's even finding, you know, what is it that matters in a world? Is yeah. it, you know, cuz all that negative stuff um is that really what should define your world, right? Is that really reality? Right. Or is that, okay. you know, or, or even even what's the most important things mm-hmm. that should define, right? So there was this great moment at the concert when when Buffalo Nichols was introducing a song, 
saying where it was from, right? And he had this great line. He said, I was in this bad relationship, and I asked myself, what would this relation look like if it were good? Right? Right. Let me explore that. Let me write a song about that, which I think is an incredibly brave thing to do, to ask, what can all this dysfunction teach me about real love? Right? I think the temptation there is to pretend the dysfunction is love, right? Yeah. So many people get in bad relationships and then pretend they're good or they're all that you can expect. Or or they're going to get good. Or they're going to, yeah, right. That's that's that false reality, self-deception stuff, right? So here's this guy saying, once you acknowledge what is broken or what broken is, Mm -hmm. You can imagine what right would be like, and once you imagine what like can what 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 right could be like, then you can pursue right, mm-hmm. right? Interesting at Mass last Sunday, Feast of the Epiphany, out at St. Matt's, Father Clark is talking about the movie Elf. Okay. Right? Pretty, pretty pretty traditional theme for the Feast of the Epiphany, right? Right. And Father Clark is, des- and as Father Clark is describing the movie, I realize that Elf is the Don Quixote story perfected, right? So, so you've got all these characters living in this very broken world. Are you familiar with the movie at all? Of Elf? Elf? Yeah. Vaguely. Okay. Well, that's okay. I'll fill it in, right? So in the movie, it's about this guy who grows up on the North Pole thinking he's an elf, mm-hmm. finds out he's not an elf, and then he goes back to New York City to find his real dad, right? And you can imagine if you thought you were an elf and you suddenly find yourself in New York, you're going to have a hard time. Probably the best place you'd go to to find your Well, we'll dad. see, right? So, so in the movie, you've got all these characters living in this very broken world, right? The New Yorkers, right? Broken job, broken family, broken hearts. They even have broken coffee. Even the candy has already been chewed, right? There's <laughs> nothing going right here. Just beneath the surface, life is a dingy mailroom, right? And in that world, there's a great line, you don't want to go with the flow, but you can't get out of the flow, mm-hmm. right? Two, putting those two sort of statements together, I just thought it was fascinating. You don't want to go with the flow, but you can't get out of the flow. That's where life is in mm-hmm. this this. New York reality. So Buddy the Elf shows up, right? This character who Christmas Elf wants to love everybody, see everyone as beautiful and fun and honest, right? And see everyone as the best that they were created to be. And just as in Don Quixote, we have these conflicts, these collisions between these two realities, and these conflicts really kind of push the plot along. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, But here's where Elf perfects Don Quixote. In Don Quixote, we know that Don Quixote is living out of fantasy. Even Don Quixote knows he's living out of fantasy. It's just that that fantasy feels so much better mm-hmm. than the world, right? In Elf, the better world everyone thinks Buddy is imagining turns out to be real, right? So Buddy's reality isn't just liberating. It's true. It's real. There really is in the movie a Santa Claus. There really is, you know, Christmas really is this incredibly special time. Mm -hmm. In the musical Man of La Mancha, which is based on Don Quixote, Don Quixote succeeds 
because he frees these other characters to embrace their own better realities, or at least to cast off the world's worst one. Buddy not only casts out all the lies the world is imposing, he proves all the light that he's living, the joy, the happiness, the love, is in fact real, right? Intriguingly, Picasso was raised Catholic, but abandoned Catholicism to live as an atheist, right? I did not know that. But, but now here's the fun part. But there was one image of Catholicism that would appear repeatedly in Picasso's art. Okay. The cross. Yeah. The crucifixion. In fact, if you look, if you've ever seen Picasso's Don Quixote, it's a lot of like scribbling lines. Yeah. It's it's, it's very, right, kind of unstable. Looked like you could do it in like 30 seconds. Right. right? But the thing about Picasso is that guy could write, like could, could draw like a photograph. Yeah. So if he's just squiggling around, it's not because he can't draw. Right, it's not an accident. It's he's because trying to capture something. That's right. He's trying to capture something. So so in in all of this instability that he's drawing in the picture, right? All the squiggles that make up Picasso's Don Quixote, the exact center of this sketch is the cross on Calvary. Mhm. If you draw lines from yeah. each corner, yeah. the intersection, dead center of the painting picture yes. is the cross on Calvary, right? All those unsteady realities in the picture, the knights, the squires, the windmills, the gallant steeds, and then there's the cross. And, and it's almost as if Picasso is asking us, right, what if the cross, the crucifixion, is real? Mm-hmm. What if at the center of this world really is love? And through that love, we can love and we can be more and there can be mercy and forgiveness and empathy, transcendence, redemption, salvation. What if those things aren't just fantasies or philosophies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, we've just been through the Christmas season what if Christmas isn't just a nice story and Jesus is real, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to just, I mean, let's just pretend that there's a Christmas. Wouldn't it be nice if this pretend Christmas extended all throughout the year? Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because, again, thing with the world during Christmas is often trying to impose on us that it is pretend. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That it isn't real. That it, nothing really happened. It's not historical. It's just a fun time, you know, with snow and elves and... Well, that's exactly... I mean, and that's really sort of the Don Quixote dynamic mm-hmm. is there's this reality of Christmas that the world is trying to impose on us. Mm-hmm. And the reality of Christmas the world is trying to impose to us is it's a great party and people get lots of gifts and maybe you'll fall in love and um, it's a great time to drink, right? Yeah. And eat, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's Christmas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we can embrace that reality yeah. or we can chuck that reality and say, you know what? If I get to pick what Christmas is, mm-hmm. I want to pick a Christmas that has God becoming man because he loves me in the center of it. Yes. 
right? And now he's not just there then, but he's Emmanuel. He's with me all the time. And the incredible thing is if you're Catholic, you just don't believe that's a nice story. Mm -hmm. Not only is that a reality you can live in and be comfortable in and feel loved in, but that's the real reality. Mm -hmm. You know, and it takes effort. And I'm thinking back how we all talked about this before Advent. Where's the Advent wreath? Where's the candles? Get them out. You know, we always have trouble finding them. And this Advent, we really did make a point every night, my husband and I, to pray, light the candle, because that's reality. And it it means that you've got to kind of push away all that other, what the world imposes, and focus on what's real. That, Eleanor, that's a great image. That's a great image because... You do, you are being constantly, we're being constantly inundated with all of this stuff designed to create our reality. You've got to push it away. You've got to expel, you've got to use energy to create the reality that you're going to live in. Hold that thought. We've got to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. back with the family show with Brenda and Randy Lee, minus Brenda. Yes. And she'll be back with us next week. She will be. And we're talking about um, Christmas and I forget. Don Quixote and living particular realities and choosing your own reality and and how choosing your reality or the reality you're living in, how that affects your life. And hopefully the reality that you're living in is, is a good and a hopeful one. Um, even more hopefully it's a true reality. And my buddy, our buddy, we've talked about him on the show before, Dan Delp, had a great observation around New Year's and how your reality affects your life, right? Because mm-hmm. Dan was noticing how one second, one tick of the clock transitions us from 2022 to 2023. Mm -hmm. Yet that one second, that one tick of the clock marks an incredible attitude transformation, right? I mean, think about it. Why do you need to wait until 2023 to start Bible in a year. Right. Right. Yeah. Why do you need to start? Or catechism. Exactly. Or to start exercising or losing weight or Or stop smoking. What is it? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, you can start those things anytime and sooner is probably better than later. Right. Mm -hmm. As a friend of mine is apt to say, Today is a great day to start rehab, right? Your <laughs> friends will be saying, you know, I, I can't start rehab today. No, no, today's a great day to start right. rehab, right? But no, we like, got to wait till that clock hits 2023, right. right? You can start, the, right? So for some reason, we associate change with that one second transitioning us from the old year to the new year, mm-hmm. right? Why? How has the cosmos been altered because a second hand moved or the ball dropped, right? It hasn't. It's the same world. It's the same universe. It's the same problem. But it's a different me. A new year invites a new attitude, a new hope, a new beginning. How we choose to see our circumstances changes our life. 
Brenda was pointing out, pointing out to me the other day, the importance of the three P's, right? Okay. In improving our lives, right? Priority, persistence, and perseverance, mm-hmm. right? We get a new year, a new attitude, and old ways, old problems, old ambitions are going to seek to wear us down, right? If you want to change, then priorities, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to want to change more than you want the things seeking to reorient your focus, right? I got to want to give up smoking more than I want to smoke, Yeah, right? So I got to set priorities. I can't have both, right? And then once you set your priorities and set yourself on your way, you have to persist and you have to persevere through the drudgery, through the adversity, Right, Sarah Mason. Sarah Mason, twenty years ago, had this this song, "Wrap My Arms Around Your Name," and she has this great description of the battle of persistence, perseverance. Does Hallelujah wear the same old face? Is tomorrow filling up like yesterday? But then she comes back, and she sings, "Oh, shape this prayer to sing such a grace for today." Just today, right? Yeah. When was the last time I prayed that? Lord, just let me sing out a grace-filled today, mm-hmm. right? You, I mean, I never pray for grace-filled and I never pray for today, right? <laughs> it's just, there's, I'm defined by my problems, right? The Gospel of John takes us um, on a really bizarre journey with Jesus and the apostles, Right? It begins with John and Andrew coming up to Jesus by the Jordan. John and Andrew are helping John the Baptist baptize there, right? John the Baptist points out Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. And Andrew and John say to Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? Mm -hmm. Right? This turns out to be a very ironic question asked of a nomadic homeless person, right? Right? Um, And and Jesus responds, come and see. Mm -hmm. Kind of cryptic and ultimately ironic because Jesus is a homeless nomad, right? right? So they, you know, start following him around. They do come and see, right? Three years later, they've been wandering around for three years, no home, no center of operations for the ministry, right? Not even a timeshare. Right. <laughs> this guy doesn't stay anywhere. Right. There's nowhere for this guy to lay his head as, as he himself puts it. Finally, they get to the Last Supper. And what does Jesus say? I abide in the Father and the Father abides in me. Mm-hmm. What's abide mean? Stay. To stay. Right. Master, where are you staying? In the Father. Mm-hmm. Mystery solved. Right. My home yeah. is in the Father, mm-hmm. right? The children of Israel, right? They wander the wilderness, the desert for 40 years. They want to get to the promised land. They would even settle for going back to Egypt, right? They just want to stay in one place. They set up their tents. God moves them off, right? They wander around a mountain for a while, right? They're just constantly roaming around. They're like, Father, where do you want us? Can't you make up your mind? And God's like, I want you in me, mm-hmm. right? Bishop Robert Barron had this great story about Pope Benedict, right? Late Pope Benedict, right? God rest his soul. Exactly. 
So in the early 60s, Pope Benedict and Father Ratzinger gets picked to be this major player, writer, speaker at Vatican II. Yeah. Right? So in the early 60s, right, mid-60s, all the conservatives in the church see Father Ratzinger as this liberal progressive. Yeah. Because he's such a major player in Vatican II. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a decade, right? And now we're in the mid-70s, and all the liberal progressives are complaining Ratzinger (laughs) is this big conservative because he won't let them take Vatican II where they want. Right. Right? Same guy. Yeah. If you asked him, Father Ratzinger would admit that in the 10 years, he hasn't moved. He's remained fixed in God. Mm-hmm. It was the world that was drifting right about. He was fixed in God, right? So Buffalo Nichols, by the way, did more this than is that singer songwriter. Right, he, he does more mm-hmm. than introduce songs and show me his tattoo, right? <laughs> okay. He actually sang songs at this concert, mm-hmm. songs that he'd written. And if you ask blues people, some blues people anyway, why do you sing the blues? They would tell you, you sing the blues to get at what's real and confront it head on. Hmm. Okay? So Buffalo Nichols has this one song, How to Love. And, and he sings this song, and in the song he sings, The pain you caused me, the pain you caused me, taught me how to love, Mm. right? So this was a crummy relationship, but I learned two things from this crummy relationship. First, how not to treat others, and second, how when I love, I need to transcend pain, right? In the line, the word love is what we think of as a healthy, real love. And the singer has learned to love better, right, through this dysfunctional relationship, right? Mm -hmm. He's learned how to understand love more, right, or better. But then, at the end of the song, he flips the whole thing and he sings, the way you treated me was wrong, but I know the reason why. Because the way they hurt you taught you how to love, right? And now the word the word love means the act of being dysfunctional in a relationship that should be love. Isn't it interesting how we use the same word yeah. to to mean two very different things? Love meaning the reality of love, this selfless Christ-like response right. to people. And we say, oh, I'm in love. I'm behaving completely dysfunctionally in this relationship that should be love, right? So so he, he has these two meanings of the word love in the song, right? And, and what she's doing, what she's in the relationship, what she's calling love in the relationship is not love, mm-hmm. right? But what's the guy do in acknowledging that she wasn't loving him, right? He doesn't stay in the relationship, but he does come through his own response to understand the woman, empathize with her, forgive her, mm-hmm. right? In the song, he moves from pain 
to understanding empathy, forgiveness, and ultimately to love, mm-hmm. right? The In the song, he points out, right, that the woman was all messed up because of the way that others had treated her in relationships before, right? right? And that reminded me, you think of the parable of the sower and the seed. Mm -hmm. And I think we blow, maybe it's just me, but I think we blow through the first seed too quickly, right? Remind us. The first seed is the seed that falls on the hard road. Right. Right. And the seed can't even penetrate, can't get into the road, can't get into the soil. It can't even get started. Right. Now, why is the road hard? It hasn't been. Because people have been what? Walking on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's why roads get hard. People walk on it. Why do hearts get hard? People walk on them. Yes. We need to guard our hearts. We need to make sure that we don't allow people to so abuse our hearts that we can't let love in, that we can't let God in. You know, and you hear that term, hard-hearted, so-and-so is so hard-hearted. Well, there's reality there. That's right. And a lot of times it's because people have walked on that heart. Mm -hmm. To live to love we need to nurture, care for, protect the soil our heart is, right? So our hearts can move from pain to understanding, empathy, forgiveness, and love. We need to keep our hearts fertile soil so that they can accept the seed. That is a very helpful and healthful way to move forward, is to recognize that we've all been hurt but don't let that hurt make our heart impenetrable to God's love and to love for us to love others. Forgiveness is the key. A lot to think about, but we're out of time. So you just have to do that thinking on your own. <laughs> there you go. But you can join us every Friday at 1230 on AM 720 for The Family Show. And keep us in your prayers. For Brenda and Randy Lee, I'm Eleanor Rossman, and we leave you with the beautiful sound of Seasons. Mm-hmm.